Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson. Michael Brunt's here on Tuesday. It is a no cavities Tuesday. Man. Uh, fresh off the dentist, have that like tingling sensation going on where they poke and they prod. Uh, but as I said, I, I walked out a Prad man. So I, I don't remember my last cavity. I think we're getting close to a decade at this point. Did you get a little talking to though that you were close or that you got to you got to work on some things? Work no, on I was told game? that it, it looked really good, but the way that that I'm told that is like one of those where it's kind of like a, you know, they expected it would have been worse based on just like <laughs> I don't know my physical appearance maybe or whatever. And so the way that good was said there is more in surprise. Good than in terms of compliment. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I, I just keep showing up. I don't, I don't do anything special. I, I keep them brushed. I do a terrible job with flossing like the rest of America. And I go in twice a year and I, I keep coming out looking good. Yeah. I always get a serious floss lecture given to me uh, every time. And I do floss a little bit, but not to their liking. And uh, I'm always waiting for the, the little slap on the wrist. Yeah. I'd like to meet the person that, that flosses an appropriate amount to not get that lecture. I don't think that person exists who isn't on the other side of that chair. I'd still, and I, this is one of those things that like, you, you know how people talk about how there's like an alternate dimension where there's news stories that happen, but they don't really happen, but their brain thinks that they did. I swear it came out sometime in the last like five years where the American Dental Association basically admitted that there's like ink conclusive evidence on floss <laughs> you should bring that up next time you're in there even without the facts just sort of launch into it well the ada says <laughs> yeah take them to task a little bit see what I, see if I've they have some answers found definitive proof that i didn't just create that in my mind <laughs> well nowadays it's a low bar to bring up something like that so i think you'd be you'd be okay to do that yeah just say you uh, read it in a journal. You can, <laughs> as long as you say you read something in a journal, you don't have to specify what the journal is, where it's from, when it was from. Then you've got some credence. Yeah, I, I found an article on uh, harvard.edu in the Harvard Health Publishing Harvard Medical School blog that uh, references a study about flossing where it says that it's uh, inconclusive in terms of what it does for you. So... I am, uh, I, I am vindicated. So, so this is all just one big myth that's been perpetuated upon us by big floss. <laughs> yep. Big floss has been trying to really, you know, make America feel bad when perhaps they shouldn't. I think we've, we've, we've uncovered something here today that I think is very important. <laughs> The question is how many how many of the guys on the offensive line are flossing like they should? <laughs> Look at that segue. <laughs> All right, you, I would guess. <laughs> I I don't know. I haven't looked at their teeth closely enough to really get one. Uh... I would guess Ethan Piper is a pretty good flosser. That guy, he's kind of a guy of many trades from high school. He feels like a guy who flosses a couple times a day. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have ask to him that. Right. I'm guessing you don't want to specifically pick a player that you think is a bad flosser. 
Not really. <laughs> no. I mean, they would be in company with me, so it wouldn't be like I'm totally dinging them. But uh, I don't know. Do you have one in mind? I don't. I don't. I was curious. Okay. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to. I don't want. That's that's a, that's a road too far to oh. uh, cr- criticize anybody's flossing without the facts and at, without some hard proof. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. Let's, let's just move off the flossing and talk offensive line. Then we can criticize to our heart's content, right? Or praise. Yes. All right. Let's, let's do that. So we've been running through some positions here. Uh, So far we've hit on running backs and defensive backs. My notes tell me, and now we have moved into the offensive line and this is a unit that we were pretty excited about coming into 2020. There were some good moments, some, not so good moments and the majority of this group appears to be returning again in 2021 and I think that's a good thing and I I think for two of them Ethan Piper Bryce Benhart you know last year was sort of the the showcase of you know Benhart got beat a couple times Ethan Piper struggled a couple times each had some of the penalties they had to deal with but for the most part they seem to have held up as offensive linemen that can play in the Big Ten uh, Bryce Benhart got eight starts. Ethan Piper, I think, got seven, but he played in all eight games. And that experience is going to be really valuable as you also add in Turner Corcoran, who played against Rutgers. You add in Cam Jurgens, who started all the games and then played better after his benching. And then we'll figure out what happens at right guard. I, I really – I think this offensive line, I, I think you know what four-fifths of it is going to be. And I think there's a reason, again, to be excited about what they can do for Nebraska – in particular, Nebraska's rush attack. Yeah, let's start with Ben Hart. I thought he had a good year for a redshirt freshman because I didn't think we heard it. You know, we didn't hear his name a ton, which is a good sign. He had a rough game. I believe it was Minnesota um, against his home state school where uh, he had a tough day. And there's a few plays he would definitely like back. And there's a few penalties uh, that he had that were costly. Some of them were questionable in nature, perhaps, but they were still called. But all in all, uh, for how hard this league is for a uh, 19-year-old lineman in the trenches, I thought he was he was pretty sturdy. And uh, honestly, um, Matt Farniak was sort of in a similar position as a young player, where he was starting games as a redshirt freshman. And I feel like Ben Hart is probably further down the road than Farniak uh, was when he was a young player. If I'm comparing recent guys who had to play early. So I think that's a good sign. And, uh, you know, you, it feels like now you've got the potential to set up your tackle spots for three more years, you know, with uh, Corcoran coming in at left tackle and, and uh, Ben Hart over there on the right, or however you want to organize that going forward. If there's at least a, some stability hopefully that is about to be set. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with all of that. And I, I think that stability is going to be pretty valuable for this group overall. And I, I think it's reflective of kind of the recruiting we've seen from this staff and the emphasis they put on revamping this offensive line since arriving in December, 2017. Do you guys feel like this year that the offensive line was a group that you could lean on to, to win you games are they at that point yet I don't think so they weren't in 2020 but it, it's tough right because I think if you're going to do that then the style of play also has to reflect that too and I didn't think that they were ever a hindrance to Nebraska 
Um, but it didn't feel like they also at times were the complete strength that maybe you're hoping they will be with more experience overall. Yeah, they're a little more inconsistent than I hoped going into the year. Uh, but Schaefer is hitting on a good point about if Nebraska actually leaned on them in the correct way or not. You know, if uh, the style of play Nebraska had in their offensive system uh, best fit those guys. And, you know, when you ask them to line up and just knock somebody back and run the football, there were times when they did it really well. They were actually pretty good in short yardage situations, I think, by the numbers. And their rushing numbers were okay, but, you know, I think the reason people are kind of down on things with the rushing game is so much of it was uh, QB reliant. And that's obviously not the O-line's fault, who's getting the call to run the ball behind them. But um, that that's the part where they're kind of mixed in with that uneasy feeling of where's the running back in this offense and can if Nebraska does get more into that where they're like hey we're going to lean heavy on the running back is this all line to that spot where they can get out their horns and roll on some people and and own a game sort of like they did Rutgers week after week and we just don't know that because we probably didn't get enough opportunities to even honestly look at that to observe it it's an interesting group uh, going into the spring because you you know you 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 like you said, you can pretty much, I think, lock the, the tackles in um, with, with Corcoran on the left side and, and Ben Hart on the right side. Obviously, Cam Jurgens is going to be your center. Um, you know, Nebraska went to Trent Hickson at times at, at that left guard spot whenever uh, Ethan Piper struggled or had a false start penalty or, or something like that. And I, I don't think they really missed a, a huge beat there, but who do you guys see, I guess, as emerging from that group of guys at, at the right guard spot? Because I can see a situation where you have Hickson on the right side or, you know, maybe you, you bring in the Colorado State transfer Nuelli or, you know, Brock Bando gets in the mix maybe. I mean, how do you guys kind of handicap that? Because that, that to me seems like the only question mark going into the spring is maybe how that's going to shake out, whereas – you know, everything else seems pretty set. I think pretty solid, actually, uh, given kind of how things went this year. Yeah, I think the Hickson call at right guard is a good one. If I were to make a rough draft right now, who's your best guess at starting a line? It, from left to right, it'd be Corcoran, Piper, Jurgens, Hickson, Benhart. And then guys who are interesting to me are Brant Banks as – sort of a backup tackle who they've always said they really like, but we haven't actually seen yet uh, a lot of. Um, and then there's some guards, interior guys that could uh, turn over the apple cart a little bit, like a new Illy type uh, is interesting to me who started at Colorado state, got his feet wet for a year. Um, can he make a move on the inside? And there's still some guys from the 2019 class that I wonder about um, if, if this is the year any of them make some noise. And I'm talking about like a Michael Lynn or a Fritchie or somebody like that. Um, I, don't, I don't dismiss that those guys are done. I mean, I think sometimes there's a few guys, a very select few who can play right away in the first year or two. And then most O-linemen you're going to get, it's going to take at least year three where they really surface 
And so to me, some of those 2019 guys, this is sort of that year where it's a tipping point. Like, are they going to be part of this equation in the two deep or not? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, Brian hit on some of those guys that I'm, I'm really sort of fascinated, but there's, there's a big one that I'm really going to be curious if he makes a move in the spring, Ezra Miller, uh, hmm. the Iowa walk-on who was a four-star for the Hawkeyes that was a well-regarded lineman that it, it seemed to be the, the consensus was that he was going to be more of a bigger guard than he would be a, a tackle, even though I think he's six five six six. And so he's someone that I, I'm kind of wondering about. I, he, they took some chances with Miller and, and Newelli having – not chances, but they, they took them on as walk-ons. And I, I'm curious if those guys can, can turn around and take some of these spots. And so I, I sort of look at a Brock Bando and kind of wonder if he isn't just a guy that Nebraska likes for, for depth purposes that can play a couple different positions. I think Grant Banks likely going to stay at tackle – uh, Trent Hickson does seem like he would be the first guy up, but I think Nori Newelli and, and Ezra Miller are two guys that I would definitely keep an eye on this spring when Greg Austin starts to talk about offensive line play. Yeah. And then, I mean, then the big question is Jurgens. I mean, I, I feel like I, I have been a big defender of Jurgens because I think I see what their vision is in him. I think he's got high end talent to be when it just comes to the blocking and the, the mechanics of being an old lineman. I like a lot there, but you know, can the snap issues officially <clears throat> go away, you know, for good in 2021, it can't be a thing anymore. Um, and he did do a better job at the end of the season with it, but we kind of thought he did that in 2019 and then they came back again. And so that's where you worry about it a little bit. He, he needs to make that, huge move this year for this O-line to be a dominating force. He needs to be like that all-conference type guy and get the snap thing under control. And then I think the whole thing can take off from there. But he it, he's sort of the straw that serves the drink to me. Well, so much of the timing aspect, I mean, is just him getting the ball <laughs> to the quarterback. I mean, you, you can see how that's broken down plays. Obviously there's been the, the really kind of disastrous snaps where the, you know, they've gone over guys' heads and, and stuff like that. But I mean, that, that's a, that's a basic thing that, you know, when, when you're in kind of a, a really key season, I mean, you just can't have those things happening when the offense is already struggling enough as it is. I mean, what, what do you guys think progress looks like for that group in 2021 beyond the spring? I mean, what, what, what is, an improved offensive line look like? And what does that mean for Nebraska's offense? Well, it, it comes back to the style of play that Nebraska will choose to employ. I mean, what you want is that they can start to roll up yards on people that they're opening up bigger holes for the running backs. It, it did feel like at times they struggled um, early in the year to, to create the, the creases. And some of that you know, comes down to our teams just loading the box and, you can sort of do that against an offense that doesn't have a threat downfield. It's, you know, not a surprise, but so much of Nebraska's offensive inconsistency makes it hard to talk about the future at times because is the offensive line, did they struggle because the box was overloaded? Did they struggle because they couldn't handle their individual blocks? Did the run game struggle because they didn't have the right running back in there? Did the run game struggle because they weren't given enough usage? Did, you know, 
does everything struggle because Nebraska can't complete a pass over 20 yards downfield? It's just like a, it, it gets sort of difficult to individually assess things when you have an offense that was basically out of sync more than it ever was in sync. And that just becomes a, a problem. And I, I think, you know, what I would hope is that they continue, like Brian said, to, to play well in the short yardage area situations that, that the, the rush offense continues to perform at a high level. I thought the pass protection outside of, you know, that Minnesota game, particularly on those third downs for Bryce Benhart was pretty good this year. I, I don't recall the, the quarterbacks being under a ton of duress constantly um, and, and it not being just sort of a, a one-off in a series here and there. That's going to happen. Guys are going to get beat. But I, I felt like the pass protection was was pretty solid last year. And so if they take another step there and they continue to do well in short yardage, the rest of it's going to be based on somewhat how the, the offense performs in general. Yeah, I was looking at the numbers. They allowed 16 sacks last year. So two a game. Yeah, let's see. What were they the year before? They they allowed 28 in 12 games. So they did bring that number down a little bit, the average at least. Um so that's good. I mean, I, they were done some favors at times because of the mobility of their quarterbacks. I'm sure there's a couple cases that Greg Austin and those guys would point to in their own room, or maybe the QB didn't see something he should have either. And that cost him a sack. Um, ultimately as an old line, you're going to be judged in those big moments. I did feel like it was sort of a struggle um, when Nebraska would get down to about the two or three yard line. Um, you know, goal line situations. I didn't always have a ton of faith. They were just going to pound it in. Um, and then of course, you know, in a big moment against Iowa, you're moving the ball for a game winning drive and you give it your, you know, you have a senior just get whooped and give up a, a game ending sack. You know, it's those type of plays, which that, that, that's sort of the ultimate grade on you. You gotta, you gotta step up in those moments. And so those are the things they got to kind of iron out is uh, rise to those occasions when there is a final drive or whatever to, to get the job done. Brunch, you got thoughts to close us out on the offensive line? No, I mean, I, I think, I think I saw, I, I agree with you guys. I, I think I saw improvement in spaces um, last, last season. Um, I think they were small steps and I agree. It, it is kind of hard to offensive line plays the hardest to kind of grade just because, you know, it, there, there's so many things that factor in um, to, to how well those guys perform. I think that, you know, when they had the chance to assert themselves, um, they were largely able to do that. I think uh, obviously Minnesota being the, the one that kind of stands out is where, where that wasn't the case. But, um, you know, you, you're, you're starting to see that the, the guys that – you, you had to win recruiting battles for show up on the field for you and play pretty well. And I think that's, that that's always trending in the right direction. I, I think Turner Corcoran uh, getting to play a full year is going to be uh, very fascinating. I, I was really impressed with him as a run blocker. I thought he moved really well. And, and, and frankly, I didn't really note, um, you know, the fact that he was in the game versus Brendan Hymas. And, and I, I think that speaks a lot to, what Corcoran can be. So we'll see. I, I think a large part of, you know, just them being able to kind of assert themselves against defenses 
uh, goes back to the, the kind of big picture type questions that Nebraska has to address this offseason, how they call plays, what's their identity, those types of things that, uh, you know, need to be, be kind of fleshed out now because that, that to me is how you're going to see the biggest change in this offense is, is more of those kinds of executive level, big picture questions that have to be answered. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. It's a good rundown there. And it's a, it's a really interesting position group that again, looks like it's going to be one of the, the strengths, if not the biggest strength for Nebraska's offense as they head into 2021 prep. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about Nebraska's basketball situation. We're going to get the wheel out, I'm told. And we'll see where the rest of the show takes us. So you don't want to miss that. We will be back with more Husker 24-7 podcast after this. And we have returned, but Nebraska basketball won't return for quite some time. Michael Brunts, give us the latest. Yeah, uh, Nebraska is fighting the COVID battle in a very, very big way right now. Um, over the weekend, Nebraska announced that, that uh, a pretty significant number of, of people in their Tier 1 personnel uh, either have COVID or, or have been uh, in close contact with people uh, who have and, and are having to quarantine because of it. So according to them, they got 12 individuals in the program, including seven players in Hoiberg, we're in isolation because of a positive test. So that's uh, that that's a lot, um, you know, that, that they're having to deal with. And in Nebraska, you know, it, you go back to kind of what Fred had said at the start of the season that they had been able to kind of weather the summer pretty well in terms of not having to deal with cases and keeping guys healthy. And um, I, I think Nebraska just got really hit pretty hard here. Uh, you know, obviously Ivan was, uh, the first guy that, uh, missed time because of it, um, against Indiana. And then things just kind of spread from there. So as we stand right now, Nebraska is not playing tomorrow night against Minnesota at home. Uh, the, the game on the 24th against Iowa has also been postponed. Uh, the, the next earliest game that they could play is January 30th against Penn State, and I think there's, you know, a, a very real chance that Nebraska is not going to play another basketball game until February, um, just with the way things are. So, you know, for a team that needs practices, they need games, they need to, to be on the floor together, th this is not ideal, and it, it's it's not going to get any better. I mean, you look at Nebraska's schedule the way it is now, there, there's not a ton of wiggle room to reschedule a lot of these postponed games. I think there's only maybe one stretch towards the end of the regular season where there's more than a couple of days separating scheduled games. So how they get those in, I don't know, but uh, just not, uh, not, not what you want to have in a season where when you're already kind of struggling uh, in a very good league to get things going. I, I'm curious, like how big of a loss do you – is it that Nebraska will miss out on, let's say they're going to miss what four games here minimum. Yes. Yes. Let, like, let's say they, they lose three out of those four games in terms of being able to make it up. Is that a big deal to you in a year in which this was a lot of it was going to be kind of building towards next year? Yeah, I get it. I mean, it, 
the, the biggest issue to me is, you know, you're, you're not even like, they're completely shut down right now. Like you're, right. you're not, you're not getting practice time. Um, you know, I, I don't think guys are even allowed to, you know, shoot on their own and, and be around the facility. So, you know, not only are you missing out on the practice time and, and, and kind of that development time, which, you know, the, the staff really kind of prides itself on, but, you, you know, you're, you're, you're not, uh, you're not around your teammates, you're, um, you know, really going to be hard pressed, I, I think, to, to kind of get these games in anyways. And, you know, this, this to me, I think was a year where, okay, you, you, you develop kind of a core of guys, you bring a lot of those guys back, you add to it a five-star signee, uh, two guys that really fit your offense, and maybe you're kind of building something towards something next season. So even if you looked at this season as kind of a, a lost year, so to speak, you're, you're not getting the benefit of that lost, lost year. If you under, you know what I mean? Right. Like you're, like you're, you're not getting the, the development time that you're going to need right. to be able to the make lack of court time is not helpful in any way whatsoever. Right. And, and the thing too, I mean, if, if you are not able to do anything now, I mean, what's kind of the reacclimation period to, to have to go and, and play games. I mean, it, it doesn't take long for guys to completely lose conditioning and, and have to gain that back. So it's just, uh, it's not good. And I know Nebraska is obviously not the only program that, that's battling stuff like this, but just be, in, in part because I think they had such a good summer in terms of avoiding it. I think that's part of the reason that it's kind of running rampant right now. Yeah, that's, it's just tough for a program that, you know, and it, it felt like they had turned a little bit of a corner. You get, uh, Walker playing, you start to, you know, they look like a little bit different of a team. You have Lat hitting threes. They, they come back against Indiana, they give up that game. And then it's like, they're just done. They couldn't even build off of that. And I, I don't expect them to play the rest of this month. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm hopeful that they're able to get their games in in February and can get somewhat of a season here, but Definitely a, a difficult second season for Fred Hoiberg and that basketball team. Well, you, you haven't even had there, – there has not been one game this season where Nebraska has had what you would consider its rotation available – like its full rotation available. Because, I mean, even, even against, uh, you know, Indiana, you, you get Derek Walker back and then you, you don't have Ivan in there. So – that's just kind of been, you know, the, the way it is uh, for this program. And uh, this is definitely not going to, you know, make, make that, uh, that improvement curve any less steep, but they, they were starting to play better basketball in stretches. And I think there was confidence within the program that you were starting to see improvement that would hopefully uh, translate to, to wins or certainly more competitive uh, games than what they've been doing. So it, it's kind of the, it's not ideal. Brunch, you got that wheel handy? Yeah, let me uh, let me get it out here. It's uh, been collecting dust a little bit. Give it a here we go, it's spinning. So I, I think I've got a kind of a, a forward-looking topic based on something that, that BC wrote on the site. We'll see if it lands on that. Oh, look, it did. <laughs> um, all right. Wow. 
So yeah. Have we what are the odds in these situations? Here? Surprisingly pretty high. <laughs> okay. All right. So BC wrote kind of about guys that are intriguing players for the spring once they get going with spring guys that need good springs let's quickly run through one guy who you are going to be very closely watching this spring to potentially give nebraska a big boost in 2021 big boost or a an adequate boost <laughs> adequate boost can we eliminate like adrian martinez from this discussion yeah yes. no this is this is more I th- right i i i was just looking for the parameters like I, I felt like you know that's too easy these are sort of guys on the fringe correct yeah, the, the wheel ran out of space for me to to etch all this but guys that are kind of on the fringe who we haven't seen much of at all to this point who i'm starting to wonder if you're even etching i gotta be honest Whoa, that's a bold accusation yeah. that was just made. I, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Just because you didn't have any cavities today, you need to step down <laughs> a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, you know, you got that confidence in you. Yeah, yeah I know. Anything. You got that, that cavity, the, the no cavity swag. I get it. Yeah. All right, cool. so who, who you guys got? Um, I'll throw one out. I, I'm, I had him in my, the five I named, so I'll – this is a repeat for those who read it, but William Nixon, to me, Will or William, however he uh, chooses to go by as a Husker, to me is the most one of the most interesting curiosities uh, of, on this team going forward. I'm not he can't fill out the whole pie that Wandale left behind, but maybe he can take up a few slices of that. He's was such a versatile recruit. You don't want to put too much on him because he hasn't played one snap yet as a college guy. But I feel I got the impression from Husker coaches when they talked about him that of all the newcomer wide receivers, like if they could pick one that they wish, you know, had been available to him, it would have been Will Nixon. Because I just think they thought he would have picked things up fast and he could have helped them. Um, he wouldn't have solved all their issues, but he would have he would have given them a boost. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what he can do. I feel like I have a lot of different ways I could go with this one. Um, But based off of how BC went, I'm going to go a similar path. I'll go with a guy we didn't get to see last year. And that's Sevion Morrison. I I really kind of want to see, I know Marquis step is, is the new uh, exciting toy for the running back room. And the expectation is he's going to be the starter and all of those things. And that very well could be true. But with Morrison, I, I want to see or hear, I guess, because I don't know how much I'm going to see. And, and there's a lot to be discussed with the spring game and its schedule and when things are going to actually happen. And so that's a different conversation. But I, I want to see with Morrison, uh, you know, how he kind of fits into that mold. And then I, I kind of want to hear from Ryan Held how they're sort of using him in, in some ways, too, because I think he's a guy that can pick up some of the slack in terms of catches around the line of scrimmage. I think that Nebraska has to find another way to utilize its running backs beyond just, you know, plowing forward. And and they don't even do a great job of utilizing that aspect of it. But I I do think catches out of the backfield are going to be pretty big. I think Sevion Morrison has home run potential. I think his size and his speed could be interesting matchup wise with linebackers. I really do think that Nebraska has lost a lot in their offense when they lost Maurice Washington and they haven't really replaced that. And so 
I'm not saying that, that Morrison is going to be Washington. They're not that similar of players, but I do think he has the ability to catch out of the backfield. And I do think that could be a really important thing for this offense to add to what I think should be a pretty good uh, running game. If they commit to it with Marquis step. I, I was, uh, I was leaning heavily towards Sevian Morrison, uh, but I will move I'm to sorry, the, I, I will move to the other side of the ball. Um, and I, I think one, as much as Nebraska is getting back with the, uh, the senior crew, the, uh, the, is it the, can we call them the geriatric gang? Is, is that, uh, is that appropriate? No. Fine. Anyway, <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't print the, don't print the bumper stickers yet. We're, we're still workshopping that one. So <laughs> on the jello bunch, <laughs> uh, one intriguing position battle that, that will happen in that defense this year in the spring um, is going to be at that cornerback spot. Um, DiCaprio Boodle opted to move on. A couple guys that are going to be in the mix there, one being Quentin Newsom, who we saw uh, at times last year, primarily on special teams, but we saw him a little bit. Um, but you've got Braxton Clark coming back off of a season-ending shoulder injury, and he's an intriguing guy. He's got the length that Nebraska covets in their defensive backs. I think last year he probably would have been uh, a lot more in the mix uh, than, than he ended up being, um, obviously because of the injury. But I think he was kind of the forgotten guy in some ways um, with the injury. So I'm eager to see where he's at in his recovery, if he can get back in that mix and kind of – you know, what, what that uh, potentially means for the defensive backfield, which seemed like it could be a huge question mark. And, you know, with, with some decisions is all of a sudden a, a very veteran, uh, solid group. So uh, I'll be watching that, that, in that battle in particular on defense, because there's really not going to be, I, th I think, a ton of uh, depth chart movement just based on a lot of those decisions and guys coming back. I got a lot of Braxton Clark stock, very high on him, was disappointed when he obviously couldn't go in 2020, but I, I expect that he'll be a, a large part of the defense. I, I sort of look for them to, to rotate both Newsom and Clark in that spot for what it's worth, um, and, and I don't think that that'll be a bad thing. It, it, sticking on the defensive side of the ball, another guy, and I'm pretty sure BC wrote about him, but uh, Javen Wright. I mean, it's a big spring. He needs to stay healthy. Um, to, to kind of continue the ascension and, and people are sort of hoping that he can play in that Jojo Doman role. Uh, so this is a, a, an opportunity for him to kind of earn some playing time. And what is now a pretty populated outside linebacker room. You think about it, you have Doman return, you have Garrett Nelson. We don't know what they're going to do with Nick Henrich. You have Caleb Tanner, Feldarius Payne, Wright, uh, Jamari Butler. So there's Nico Cooper. There's a fair amount of people in that outside linebacker room right now. And so, you know, Wright doesn't want to get lost. He's going to have to, to kind of show up in the spring as well. So there's a bonus one. The, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead, BC. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that's, that's sort of, you've got the Doman storyline and then you've got the separate one that is the life after Doman storyline. <laughs> and that's what you're talking. I mean, that it's a good thing. Nebraska is not taking on that challenge right now that was why Doman coming back was so big because I just don't think they had the answer yet but they really need 
and you named a couple of them besides Javen. They need like two or three guys, at least a couple of guys. They think like after this year, they could be the next guy there, and they really feel confident about it more so than I think they do now. Isaac Gifford's an interesting little chess piece too. Um, I don't know if he can follow his brother's footstep and move down and at some point be an outside backer or if he'll have the exact same frame or not, but I know they like him. And if you were paying close attention, he, uh, he was definitely a guy that he was getting some defensive snaps. Um, Another guy I think is interesting uh, when you were talking about, Braxton Clark and Quinton Newsom. I think Timon Lynham, Timon Lynham is a guy they really like still. And uh, a big thing is going to be keeping those guys patient who uh, might have to wait another year before they're a full-time guy. Will some of those seniors play? So they're going to have to have some good relationship building and work behind the scenes with some of those guys if it's not quite their turn yet. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's, that's definitely good stuff. The wheel – we want. The wheel has a, there's a wheel stat of the day too. Just just if you guys want it, I'll throw it's it. It's on the wheel. It's yeah. written on the wheel. Yep. Huh. Uh, former Nebraska basketball player Isaiah Roby. Uh, I'm not sure how much you guys pay attention to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm guessing quite a bit, but um, Isaiah Roby carving out a nice little niche for himself. Averaging 8.9 points a game, 4.6 rebounds. He's shooting 40% from three-point range. And, uh, you know, he's kind of getting in the mix for some playing time there. So, well done by him. But uh, that's your your Isaiah Roby update. Uh, Just, you know, quietly, you know, putting together a nice little season down there in, in Oklahoma City. Are we going to add this segment to to the show going forward where we just pick a random Nebraska alum and discuss what they're doing? We, we could. I, I think it's a, a great way to flesh out the show or to finish it off. I like it. Okay. We can do that. It's, uh, uh, that's good. We can, we can assign it. Like we can once a week, you know, we'll just have one of us uh, come up with a person and then we close out the show with that. Sounds good. I, I, I like to get in the weeds a little bit and there's, there's some guys out there that would be, I think, pretty interesting. Probably I better. Agree. Probably better than regular flossing updates as a segment. So that's that's a good good call by you guys. Agreed. Entirely agree. Any closing thoughts here? That was it. I got I got nothing. I used up everything. We have used up everything, but we'll come back with more on Thursday and other podcasts this week. Of course, we'll have plenty of stuff on the website as well at Husker 24-7. You can get the recruiting. You can get some volleyball. You can get football. The early enrollees are coming. They should be here this week. I'm sure we'll have some coverage on that as well. Check all of that out at Husker 24-7. We'll catch you on Thursday.